but with me all day long. <laughs> uh, we, we enjoy what we do. Our mission is right out of 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Train others how to teach so they can go out and train more people how to teach. It's called discipleship, a lost art in many of our churches today. So that course will get you started. And if we're always looking for people who want to be apologists, who want to get out there and be speakers and teachers, we actually have a one-day course, which can also be three days we turn it as, as a workshop, called Dynamics of Christian Education, training you how to speak, how to teach, and how to set up a winning Sunday school program. So we'll talk about that some more later. But tonight we have a very serious issue because it's killing the church. Why? Once again, the church failed to respond and get ready for this. Critical race theory and social justice. We have many pastors today promoting critical race theory from the pulpit. We are in trouble. And whose fault is it? The church. We forgot to teach again. So critical race theory. Our topics will be this. Number one, know the enemy. When you're in combat, first thing you need to know, who's your enemy? Even athletics, you know, who's your competition? What are they like? Laying the foundation for destruction. When did this really get started in America? The social justice movement sounds nice, but what is underneath the hood? Critical race theory sounds good also. And then we'll compare critical race theory, social justice, and Black Lives Matter. How does that compare to the Bible? That's our real test right there. If it's not biblical, folks, we will not endorse it. So let's start with part one. Who is the enemy? Well, let me describe this enemy to you. Number one, he's a liar. Number two, he's a deceiver. He's a slanderer, and he's a murderer. Sounds like a politician, doesn't it? <laughs> but also, he's stronger than you are, and he's very crafty. And this enemy has goals. In the Old Testament, he had two goals. Destroy Israel and the line leading to Jesus. New Testament, his goals are what? Destroy Israel and get rid of Christianity, the church. That's his goals. Is in the business of recruiting, very active in recruiting. We see that in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be a sober spirit. Be on the alert. Who is he talking to? Who is the Bible talking to? You, me. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's actively recruiting people today. So that was part one. We're almost done, aren't we, if it goes that fast? Let's lay the foundation for destruction. What is happening today in America did not start yesterday. It took a while to count, happen. A new world order. We'll start with this gentleman here, Karl Marx. He's critical for understanding what is happening in America today. His father, Heinrich, was a German philosopher, socialist, and largely non-religious. His mother, Henrietta, was the money source. Very wealthy. There's always a money source behind all this. Lots of money. Karl Marx was one who co-wrote the Communist Manifesto. Do you know a great many teens today endorse communism? Why is that? Because they've been indoctrinated to believe it is a good form of government. Many, many support socialism today. Why? Well, let me tell you the real reason. The church and families have forgot to teach. We didn't do a very good job teaching. Karl Marx, mainly educated by his father. Remember, he was a socialist, so that's where he got his education. 
He embraced materialism. What in the world is materialism? Is the ideology that all exists as mass and energy. There are no gods or any supernatural forces. That's materialism. That means everything must be explained in terms of evolution. Because once you rule out God, there's only one other choice. Don't get this idea, aliens, aliens, folks. That doesn't explain evolution. Just pushes the, the question back out there. Where did they come from? There's only two ways we've gotten here. Either we evolved or we created. And you cannot mix the two. Don't get the idea you can mix the two. It does not work. His view on religion, it's a drug. All you folks are on drugs. It's the opium of the people. That's Karl Marx. And our youth are being trained. He was a good guy. And he admired Charles Darwin. That should tell you something right there. We'll talk more about Charles a little bit later. Okay, Marxist philosophy. The best system of government is equal distribution of wealth. No private property. Does that sound a little bit like where America's going today? No private property. In other words, Karl Marx wanted what we call a utopian government where everything is nice. We don't need any enforcement, no legal enforcement. We don't need any military. Everybody is just happy and works together. That's Marxism. It's a form of communism, but a more gentler form, where communism is quite a bit different, and we'll get to that. So what that system leads to is socialism, which eventually leads to communism. What's the difference between that and Marxism? Communism, not everything is nice, because you have a leadership at the top, which is a brutal leadership. They control by fear and intimidation and brutality. They set the rules, but they do not have to abide by the rules. That is communism. And about 15% of our youth in this country endorse communism today because nobody's taught them the truth. So Karl Marx, German philosopher, socialist, started many socialist organizations. The Frankfurt School was an outcome of some of this, which eventually came over to America. Antonio, uh, founder of the Italian Communist Party, and Lukács started the first ex sex education classes, which were not based on the Bible. And guess where they found their way into? America. So here's where we get started, 1905. Now, these ideas of social justice go back centuries and centuries and centuries. But in America, it really got its start in 1905 with the plan to deconstruct and reconstruct America. Isn't that what we're hearing on television today, the news? Deconstruct the Great Reset? This, folks, this started in 1905. So challenge question, if you wanted to change a country's entire belief and attitude about something, what strategy would you use? The long march, fear? Well, Hitler knew it, Stalin knew it, and Nebuchadnezzar knew it. Start with the youth and train them. Hitler had the youth, youth camps. Stalin trained 40 million students into communism. All those years of being brought up from elementary all the way up in communism. What did Nebuchadnezzar do when he conquered Jerusalem? The book of Daniel? He sent him to three years of schooling to indoctrinate him into Babylonian culture. See, education is one of the keys to controlling people. 
I'm gonna make a very bold statement now. When will the church learn this? That education is so important. Control of the education system. What happened in 1905? Over 100 people met in an upper room in lower Manhattan. I call it the second upper room. First one's in the Bible. Second upper room. They had two goals. Now they were well funded, like the Rockefellers and people like that, well funded, mega millions of dollars to do what they want to do. First goal was to change America into a socialist nation. Get rid of our republic. In order to do that, they had a second goal, and that was to rid America of our Christian worldview. Sounds like what's happening today, doesn't it? But it started in 1905, and they have not come across a lot of opposition. Strategy, infiltrate their ideas into the education system. In other words, what they wanted to do was get into the colleges that train teachers. That's the strategy. Folks, this was a wonderful strategy, train teachers. By 1917, that's 12 years, they were in 61 campuses and 12 graduate schools already. This was growing fast. Why? They were well organized and had a great plan and strategy. Anybody want to see this in picture format? How many like pictures? Yes, yes. Some people use this side of the brain, some people use this side of the brain, and some people just don't use it. <laughs> and we've met them now and then. Okay, good. Here's their, here's their strategy in pictures. Humanism. Now, what is humanism? That's materialism. The ideology, there are no supernatural forces. In other words, man is the measure of all things. Humanism. They got into the teacher colleges where they trained teachers on their philosophy of humanism, materialism, which included evolution. Who then, these teachers went into other secular universities, and guess what they taught? Humanism, evolutionism. And then they filtered down to the public schools, and guess what happened to our public education system? Guess what they're teaching today? Humanism. And unfortunately, some of those teachers came out of those colleges and went to the Christian universities. And guess what they teach there? Forms of humanism, evolution, billions of years, even endorsing critical race theory. And we'll see why we don't want to do that. And they went into the seminaries. And guess what they teach in some of our seminaries today? As a matter of fact, the latest quotes say... The, the pastors with the least uh, biblical worldview are coming out of our seminaries today. And unfortunately, then they went into the pulpit. It was a wonderful strategy, and it's working well. Do you know we can do the same thing? And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. So John Dewey, how many have heard of him? Yes. He is one of the original signers of the Humanist Manifesto. Guess what? It has nothing to do with the Bible. Professor at Columbia University, it's one of the first colleges they got into, teacher college. By the 1950s, 20% of American superintendents were under his philosophy, humanism. 40% of U.S. teacher college heads were already into humanism, evolution. This was going quite fast. John Dewey, 1933, wrote an article for the Teacher Magazine. Here's what was in the Teacher Magazine, 1933. There is no God and there is no soul. 
Hence, there are no needs for the groups of traditional religion. With dogma and creed excluded, the immutable truth is also dead and buried. There is no room for fixed natural laws or more absolutes. Teachers were endorsing that at that time already. Folks, that's a lot of years ago, isn't it? That's over 80 years ago. We've had over 80 years to prepare ourselves for this. Why didn't we do it? Humanist Manifesto, 1933, written by professors and input from theologians. Contained 15 main points. Let me give you two of those. Number one, humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Folks, that's not very logical. Does everybody know what comes from nothing? Nothing. It's pretty easy, isn't it? So how can it be self-existing? It can't be. It can't create itself. And two, humanists believe that man is a part of the nature and that he has emerged as a result of a continuous process called evolutionism. That's also not very logical. You know why? How many here are made up of cells? Good, good. It's a good thing. We don't have any rocks in here. You know, cells are made up, part of a cell is called proteins. Just proteins. Cells have thousands of these proteins, come in all different sizes. Our best scientists in the world cannot even create one small biological protein. They can't even do that. So how in the world can they even talk about evolution creating a cell, which is more complex than any machine mankind's ever made? How can they believe that we evolve into human beings if they cannot even create one small biological protein? We don't even have to talk about DNA, RNA, ribosomes, or organelles. How many got excited when I said words like that? There are people that do. Good, good, good. Okay. Uh, folks, it's not even logical to believe this. However, if you rule out a creator God, what is your belief system? The only thing you're left to believe is what? Evolutionism, humanism. College level, 1905, they called themselves the Intercollegiate Socialist Society. People did not like the word socialist back then. So what did they do to get people to endorse them? Changed their name to League for Industrial Democracy. Supported the same things, but it had a nicer name. So guess what the people did? Thought this was a good organization. They never bothered to look under the hood what they really teach. Then we had our public education teacher unions. Now, I know we might have some teachers here in public schools, but the NEA actually started off as a good conservative group there. That was in 1857. But by the 1970s, they were completely supporting Karl Marx. This is the National Education Association. They promote socialist candidates. They spend a lot of money on this. Rather than spending on education, they spend a lot on candidates. They promote the LGBTQ heavily. We'll talk some about that, what's happening in California. It's going to come here, too. Promote evolution-only teaching. No competition allowed. And they spend over $40 million a year promoting a political agenda rather than spending it on education. This is where your dues go to. And they're at war with homeschooling. And that's coming to Christian schools also. They want total control. They will not share that with anybody. They want your children. 
David Reagan, PhD in international law, makes this statement. It all began in the 1920s when our seminaries were captivated by the German school of higher criticism, which argued that the Bible is not God's revealed word. Instead, the claim was made that it is man's search for God and thus filled with myths, legends, superstitions, and errors. So by the 1920s, we were already going on a downhill slide in our churches. So let's talk strategy. Attack the foundations. It is a wonderful strategy. When I talk to evolutionists, I don't get into great big scientific arguments. I just go after the foundations and use the Bible. Tell me how life, life started. Where did the original matter come from? Where did dinosaurs come from? Because I know they cannot answer those questions. So why should I talk about anything else? If you can't get life started, you don't have anything to talk about. So what they do, what they've done, is change our history, our morality, and our theology. Isn't that what's happening in America today? You go read a public high school history book, you don't find much in there that's true anymore. They've changed it. They've demonized our founding fathers. Our morality has changed. It's hard to even, you can't even watch television anymore. The commercials are so bad. So they've changed our entire morality. What's, what basically, what we're doing in this country is good is called evil and evil is called good. And guess what God says about that? Read the book of Jeremiah and see what he has to say about it. I just put out a one-minute video called Do We Need Another Jeremiah? It's on YouTube. It's one minute long. I, I talk fast. I use both sides of the mouth at one time. <laughs> we don't need another Jeremiah. You know why? He's already given us Jeremiah, Isaiah, and, and other people like that. We've already been told what he's going to do to a nation that abandons him. What we need are bold leaders who are willing to teach God's word. Not only teach it, but train others how to teach it also. That's what we need. So we need another Jeremiah. But there's a new strategy. Divide and conquer. It's a wonderful strategy also. Let's take a look at this. Marxist strategy. 20th century Marxist revolutions. Terror, conflict, suppression, revolution. Resulted in disaster. This is Marxist takeovers, communist takeovers. Disaster. What do you mean by disaster? Over 100 million lost their lives in their attempts to take over these countries. But they decided that's not going to work in America because we have a Christian foundation. It was too strong. Said so that's not going to work. So they came up with the new strategy divide and conquer. And what did they do? How did they do this? Something called racism. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. This country has had serious racist problems, brutality. We've come out of a lot of that now. I know our Constitution or Declaration of Independence have the right words in there, but we decided not to follow it sometime. It says all men are created equal. They're endowed with certain inalienable rights. But we took those rights away from some people. That's called racism. We had favored people and unfavored people. That is racism. And that's a black mark on our history. But folks, we've come out of a lot of that. It's still here, and it's still in some churches. But we're, right now, we're one of the best countries in the whole world on dealing with people. And we're throwing it all away because we've been indoctrinated to believe we are a racist country. And we still have racism everywhere. The whole system is racist. And you know who the worst people on earth are? White males. Right here. And you're listening to the one. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Yes. <laughs> so tactics. The Great Reset. 
promotes radically different view of American society. Method achieve the goal, deconstructionism and reconstructionism. Means we're gonna destroy everything in America and we're gonna reconstruct. The question I have is, what are we going to, and who's going to reconstruct it? And what are values are gonna be based on? I'll let you know, it's certainly not going to be biblical values. Everything that makes up America must be changed. Why? Some things are working, aren't they? We have the greatest government system the world has ever known called a constitutional republic. It's just we didn't want to follow it all the time, but it's the greatest form of government we've ever had. The only thing better is what God offers. He's in charge, and we decided we didn't want to do that either. And religion, Christianity, marriage, rule of law, free markets, all that has to be changed. This is the great reset. And people are being, can I use a technical term here? People are being snookered into believing this because using nice terminology. So part three, social justice movement. Remember the goal. Anybody watch that movie, Remember the Goal? It's a great Christian movie about a uh, young lady who takes over a high school cross-country team. I thought it was very good. Some of the methods they use in there uh, as far as training weren't the best, but overall they were pretty good. So I recommend that movie. Social justice movement. Remember the goal. What was the goal? Destroy America, our form of government, turn it into socialism, and get rid of Christian worldview. That's the goal in mind. And it started in 1905. Now it's hitting a great crescendo here. Social justice definition. Merriam-Webster Dictionary. A state of doctrine or egalitarianism. It is an ism. What is an ism? It's a belief system. I put that in there because I can pronounce the word. We're going to talk a little bit more about that term, egalitarianism. It's the doctrine that all people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities. Well, doesn't that sound nice? That's enough to get you to say, I support that, I support that. But look underneath the hood, folks. There's more to it. And we're going to go there. Social justice refers to a political and philosophical theory that focuses on the concept of fairness. Well, I like that, except if I'm losing in relations between individual society and equal access, get this, equal access to what? Wealth, opportunities, social privileges in a society. What does that mean? Ah, notice equal wealth. What we're talking about here, folks, is this. If you have a lot of wealth and somebody over here doesn't have it and didn't work for it, you've got to share your wealth with them. If you have a better home than somebody, you've got to share that with somebody else who doesn't have a good home, whether they work for it or not. In other words, all those people on the street, we've got to start supporting and give our wealth to them. To be, everybody's got to be equal. It's called equity, equal outcomes and everything. You cannot have a better job than somebody else. That's what this means. But see, people are so willing to take what's on the surface and believe it and endorse it, and pretty soon they're going to find out what it really means. And there's no turning back. Common terms. I'm just going to give you the list of some of the common terms. We've looked at some already. Deconstruct and reconstruct. The Great Reset. Marxism. Communism. Social justice. Egalitarianism. Equity. Diversity. Human rights. Racist. Systemic racism. We're going to look at, I'll make sure we understand all those words as we go through here. And even reparations. Mm. Sounds like somebody doesn't like that word. Okay, 
And how about this one? Intersectionality. Boy, we got a lot of big words here. Anybody play Scrabble? There's not enough letters in there to do this, unless you tag onto somebody. But that would be a lot, wouldn't it? Okay. Social adjustment. Deconstruct, reconstruct. First of all, they're going to want to tear away the family. Have they done a good job with that? Absolutely. No longer have just mother and father. You can have father and father. They've destroyed marriage, the biblical marriage. And some places you're not even allowed to talk against it. You're going to come under great ridicule. The church, they're really working on destroying the church. In Florida, there's about 100 churches in this uh, group together in the, uh, in the Baptist Association there. 50% of them have adopted critical race theory. And some of these churches have been, they've paid the pastors money so they will not teach against LGBTQ and pastors are accepting the money. This is the situation we're in today. We have a problem with our seminaries and Christian universities are not training people to be solid in biblical doctrine. They're not willing to bear their cross anymore. Our constitution is under attack now. It's being disregarded in many of our decisions. And finally, we're coming under a global world government. Very slowly, we're coming under it. The UN is making great headway into making decisions in American government. The deconstruction of America. Let me go through some of the things that have happened. 1947, the Supreme Court declared separation between church and state. Is that mentioned anywhere of our documents? Absolutely not. It was a misquoted article written by one of our founding fathers. They took it out of context. And we bought into it. We didn't bother to do our research and fight against it. 1962, Supreme Court removed prayer from the public schools. We let that happen. 1963, the Supreme Court banned the reading of the Bible in public schools. We allowed that to happen also. 1970, Supreme Court allowed abortion on demand. And we allowed that to happen also. We're very weak in that area, folks. We're not very good at arguing for the sanctity of human life. And it's gotten harder now because the other side, the abortionists, they don't care. They know they're killing a child. They don't care anymore. Doesn't bother them that we're murdering children. So we have to come up with new ways to argue this. 1976, the American Civil Liberties Union prohibited Christmas pageant in public schools. 1980, the SCL removed the Ten Commandments from schools, and we just allowed it to happen. 2007, California eliminated the words mom and dad from public schools because it was offensive. Got to use the right pronouns now. 2008, California made an attempt to go against homeschooling, but they failed on that one. That was one nice thing, but they're still fighting it. 1980, the present, the media in public schools are used censorship as a dominant factor in controlling society. We saw that the last couple years, haven't we, on the internet, social media. Complete censorship. Matter of fact, the greatest place of censorship in this country is the public education system. 2010, complete takeover by the government of the public education system called Common Core. Teachers should have been embarrassed by that because it said you can't do your job well enough. That is what it said. 2015, Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage nationwide. 
And we put up a little fuss, then we just let it happen. They know we're very weak, and we don't have any staying power there. We just kind of make a fuss and let it go. 2020, America's invaded by anarchists throughout our cities in this country, and they got away scot-free. 2021, critical race theory is the new form of suppression. It is the greatest form of racism this country has ever experienced, critical race theory. By far, we've never had this form of racism in any place. 2021, Christian values are being replaced with social justice values. 2022, California is attempting to pass Assembly Bill 2223 was infanticide. In other words, they're still working on that one. You're allowed to kill your child up to 30 days after they're born, and there's no penalty for it. That's coming to other states now. And here's the latest one. Bill AB 329, known as the California Healthy Youth Act, mandatory sex education, K through 12, which completely endorses LGBTQ. And all teachers are forced to promote it. If you don't promote it, you'll lose your job. Now, let me ask you a question. Should Christian students be in public schools? Absolutely not, because they're taught anti-Bible. They're taught false gospels. How about Christian teachers? Should they be in public schools? No, because now, and I understand you've got jobs and there's a tough decision there, but you're being forced to teach against God's word. That's a tough decision there because you could lose your job. But then again, we've got to weigh what's the most important thing in our lives. That's a tough one. I can't make that decision for anybody, but you've got to think what you're doing in there in the public schools. Social justice. Anybody ready for two really big words? Okay, how about this one? Egalitarianism, that's 14 letters, but how about a bigger word? Complementarianism, 18 letters. Boy, and we need to talk about those two. What do we mean? Egalitarianism and the Bible is defined as a belief in human equality and advocates the removal of inequalities among people. I think that sounds nice. How, anybody think that's nice there? Sounds pretty good. But let's look under the hood a bit. In the church, it supports women and men have no gender role restrictions. Women can be pastors in church and teach men. They also view complementarianism as oppressive. What does the Bible have to say about roles in the church, pastors? It's men. Men are the teachers over men. The Bible is very clear on that. Now let's look at complementarianism, what they call oppressive. Commentary theology just considers men and women as being equal worth in the sight of God. That is true. We are all equal worth, but we have different roles. That is what the Bible teaches. That is complementarianism, which we do endorse. But if you're an egalitarianist, you oppose this. God intends men to be leaders in the church and home and does not allow for women to serve as pastors or to teach over men in the church. That's biblical. So what are they doing in the church? Trying to destroy the order. Oh, you church leaders, you're, you're against women. You're anti-women. Well, folks, we're not anti-women. We're under God's justice, not man's justice. Here's one of the verses they use, Galatians 3, 8, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That's one of the verses they use to go against complementarianism. But you know what? 
How many know what Bereans are and what they're supposed to do? Go back to the Bible and check what it says. And know what you're going to find out? They take this verse completely out of context. It's not discussing gender roles at all. It's discussing salvation. It's like that famous verse, judge not. We're not supposed to judge. Read what it says after that. (laughs) Say they take that verse out of context. We are told to judge, but let's do it righteously. Social justice. There's some of your signs there. See, it sounds so nice. I stand for justice, but who's justice? Man's or God's? Social justice supports supports man's justice and ignores God's justice. So let's look at a little social justice versus the Bible. The Bible teaches that all human beings are stained by what? Original sin. Romans 3.20, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Social justice, people are stained by their membership in oppressive groups called intersectionality. Um, And guess who's at the center? Who are the worst of the world? White males. We are the oppressors. And they're teaching our first graders that the white... Let me make it same There are no white people. I don't see one single white person in this group. Nor do I see a black person. Have you ever held up a sheet of white paper? Am I white? I'm not even close to it. We are all shades of brown. Tannish to dark brown. There's no such thing as white. And what gives us a different shade of skin color? Melanin. We all have capability for melanin. I have less than most of you because I was a redhead. I have a loss of melanin. Some people say information, but... You know what happens when I go out in the sun? I get pink, I get red, and I peel. I don't tan. I have melanin spots all over me called freckles. How many races are there? One. The Bible teaches only one race. Racism is not a word used in the Bible. It's a human construct, and we need to stop it. We need to stop using the word racism. Know who's promoting the most? Just turn on the news channels. They're always talking about racism. They're the biggest promoters of it on there. There's only one race called the human race. And we're all, but the Bible does make a distinction. We're either children of God or we're children of Satan. That's how it divides us up. Those are the only two worldviews, incidentally, biblical and non-biblical. So intersectionality, it's divided up by the color of your skin, sexuality, disability, nationality, gender. The more marks you have there, the more oppressed you are. And who are the oppressors? Ah, gives us power, doesn't it? See, that's what they're saying. We set everything up for a white race to be in power. The Bible teaches we must confess and repent our sins. Social justice teaches we must confess and repent of our participation in structures and power and privilege groups. Bible teaches we look forward to a perfect justice and righteousness in Jesus. Social justice teaches we look forward to a utopian society or perfect justice in equity called Marxism, which can never be achieved. Why? Because we're sinners. Can never be achieved a utopian society. 
The Bible teaches we are saved by grace alone, not by works. Social justice, we achieve our salvation by hard work and right moral standing within the social justice community. Yes, who's ever in power. That's a false gospel there, folks. Paul has something to say if you're teaching a false gospel. So part four, critical race theory, strategy and tactics. We're going to look at five different parts here. One, math class. Today we're going to learn about division. Critical race theory. That's what it's all about. Divide and conquer. And we are falling for this. Folks, we need to come together. We need to, we need to stand together. Skin should shape color should never separate anybody. But yet we still do, don't we? And that's because they're making it happen. Critical race theory overview. It's a modern approach to social change. Presupposes that everything about America is racist. Every area of America is racist and needs to be reconstructed. There is no objective truth. Who's ever in control determines the truth. And they will use whatever it takes to force their ideas, including slander, character assassination, losing your job. They'll go to whatever it means to do this. Kelly Harmon, Harmon, Professor at Liberty University, which is still one of our good universities, in case you didn't know, it located where? Virginia. Goal. The goal of CRT is to determine how society is not what it ought to be and then implement change to rectify the issue. Anybody have any questions about that? That's their goal. What might you ask about that? Yes! What do you think it ought to be and who's going to do it? And what are they going to turn it into? It's kind of like uh, we had somebody run for president and their whole mantra was change. Did anybody ask what you mean by change? The news never did. Critical race theory in government. Expansion of Marxism to all areas of culture. This is critical race theory. Attack the foundations of culture. Change the history, the theology, the morality. Replace America's government with an atheistic philosophy called Marxism. This is critical race theory. So let's look at equality versus equity. Equality, equal opportunity resources. That's a good thing. We have equal opportunities. You can work, work your way up. Equity is equal outcomes. No matter how hard you work or how little you work, we all come out with equal outcomes. Did you know I see that in Christian schools? It's rampant in Christian schools. Let's break up into teams, and you work as a team, and everybody gets the same grade on the team. That's socialism in our Christian schools right there. We usually find one person does a lot of work, one person does a little less work, but they all get the same grade. We've got to be very careful what we're bringing into our Christian schools. I know there's some teaching into it, but predominantly it's a socialistic idea. So it's equal opportunity versus equal outcomes. I like equal opportunity. I know it's in our founding documents, but sometimes we got away from them, didn't we? We're not a perfect country. Critical race theory, social justice, and race. CRT divides society up in groups based on the color of your skin, sexual preference, religion, disability, status, culture, and gender, and other things today. White people, especially men, are the oppressors. 
Then to make you feel good about yourself. And we have rigged society for our benefit. That's what they teach first grade children. Can you imagine how their first graders feel about themselves now? Especially the white males being taught, you're oppressors, you're bad people. That can ruin a person for all their life. Everything that makes up America is racist. I didn't know that. It's called systemic racism. It means every area of this country is based on racism. Everything. Career race theory and equal rights. Civil rights movement, 1960s. Everybody remember some of the things that happened there? There was a lot of atrocities happened there, but we had a gentleman named Martin Luther King. Now, he wasn't altogether a good guy, but he was the right man for the job at the time. God raises people up like that. How many know of Winston Churchill? He was not a nice man. Had a problem with alcohol, too, and other things. But he was the right man for the job. God rose him up. And Martin Luther King, again, was the right man for the job. Despite all the things he did weren't good, he did a lot of good for this country. Equal rights for everyone in America. Equal treatment for individuals, regardless of their skin color. Notice I put race, because there's only one race. Critical race theory rejects the civil rights movement. Why? Because it talks about equality, not equity. CRT wants equal outcomes for everyone, regardless of how hard you work or how much money you have. It's equal outcome. And your wealth, your homes, your genders, sports. Ooh, wow, sports? Yes. How many of you probably heard about this? Uh, men competing as women in women's sports, track and field and swimming. There's a question we need to learn how to ask there. Because critical race theory promoters are very good at what they do, and they're very well trained on how to handle arguments against it. But the kind of argument we want to handle is this. What is the logical outcome or logical consequence if we allow men to compete in all women's sports? What would be the logical outcome of all that? Where we will do away with women's sports, including professional sports. So you won't find many women in professional sports, and you won't find women getting scholarships anymore. So are you against, are you anti-women because you support critical race theory? That's the kind of questions, logical consequences questions. Where does this lead to? CRT and the Declaration of Independence. We read this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the creator of certain unable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Critical race theory says no to that. Because that's equality, not equity. So we're going to need a whole new constitution, aren't we? We're going to need a whole new Declaration of Independence. Systemic racism. Dr. David Reagan again. The major problem in America today is not systemic racism. We're a nation that has made great advances towards racial equality. And that is true. We still have a problem out there. But it's true. We have made great strides. Let's not stop that. We can still do better. Let's try and do better. Our nation's fundamental problem is systemic godlessness. You know what the greatest threat to America today is? It's what God does to nations that abandon him. That's our greatest fear. It's not communism, not Marxism, not social justice. The Bible's very clear. What does God do 
that two nations are called good evil and evil good. Judgment, folks. Very severe judgment. Even his own people he judged over and over again. How would you like to be a Jeremiah? I wouldn't. That poor man. God told him, I want you to go out and preach what's going to happen. The judgment, the judgment. I want you to do that. He did it for decades. You know what God also told him? Nobody's going to listen to you. But I want you to continue to do it. And oh, by the way, they're going to try and kill you. How would you like to have that job? Wow. But he was faithful all the way, wasn't he? We don't need another Jeremiah. We need bold church leaders. Okay, quiz. You better not fail this one. What kind of bears on the left? <laughs> that whole side just failed. <laughs> brown bear, okay, brown bear. Good, good. You're redeemed. You, you've been redeemed. What's the next bear? Black bear. And what's the next bear? Racist bear. <laughs> this is critical race theory, folks. We are the racists, the biggest promoters of racism. We have rigged the system for our benefit. Strategy for change. Reorganize the social structure, culture, education system, even religion, to reverse historical justices. Ooh. In other words, we need to repay for what our ancestors did. Are you responsible for what your ancestors did? No. But we're being told we need to repay for that. Train teachers into critical race theory at universities and colleges. It's mandatory training now. And make CRT a condition, this is a big one, for receiving grant money from the government. In other words, if your school does not promote critical race theory, you will not grant grant money from the government. Oh, boy, that's a killer. Because what's the root of this evil? We're finding money. Money speaks very loudly. And create a condition of fear for rejecting critical race theory. Loss of job, character assassination. You know what parents were called? Terrorist. Parents were labeled terrorists who did not agree with critical race theory. How's it feel to be a terrorist? Kind of fun, isn't it? Yes. Which <laughs> gets get better, doesn't it? Uh, critical race theory tactics. To stop oppression, the National School Board Association described the actions of parents protesting critical race theory as domestic terrorists. The Senate led the FBI to put a halt to all the protests. Stop parents from protesting critical race theory. It's called suppression. It's one of their tactics, folks. Create fear and hatred. That will divide a country. They've done that very well. Let's go to the 1619 Project. Project for Educators. How many have heard of this project? Yes, good, good, thank you. Assembled in partnership with the New York Times. That should tell you something right about it there. Uh, develop programs for K-12 and higher education. The project highlights the legacy of slavery in the United States. Okay. The claim that America was founded in 1619. I think they're a little off there, but that's what they teach. They claim the American Revolution was fought to protect the institution of slavery. This is what's being taught in our public schools. The claim that slavery drove capitalism. And the claim that America is inherently racist country and institution. 
Folks, that is a fake history being taught to our youth. This is called indoctrination. Go through 12 years of this and guess what you're believing. We've had four generations go through some of this. Four generations being indoctrinated into evolution. No wonder so many of our youth have grown up and believe evolution. No wonder so many of them believe in billions of years and it's not biblical. It destroys the entire foundation of the gospel, billions of years. It also just makes Jesus a liar, destroys our belief in the Ten Commandments, and destroys the whole character of God. Billions of years does all of that. If you want to learn more, just come to our class Saturday. Advertisement. Okay, what's the definition of tolerance? Well, the definition, classic definition, ability or willingness to accept without prejudice the existence of opinions or behaviors that one does not agree with. That is a good definition. That's a good definition. You know what the new definition is? Agree with me or you're a bigot, phobic, or unliving, or unloving hater. That's the new definition of tolerance. If you don't tolerate what we believe, you're a bigot, you're a phobic, and you're hate speech. What's the magic word to get what you want? used to be that. It's not that anymore. It's, I'm offended, you're a racist, and you're a phobic. This is what they're teaching children. The destruction of cities in America. I, I just cringe when I see outside homes and buildings. We support Black Lives Matter. Is that what you're supporting? That's Black Lives Matter, folks. That's complete anarchy. And they got away with it. This is America. Yes. And then they destroyed many of our monuments. I know people aren't perfect, folks, but that's our history. That's our real history. They're destroying all that. But I know they're not against racism. Let's talk about these two people that they promote. Margaret Sanger and old Charles Darwin. Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood. She praised the Nazi eugenics. What in the world is eugenics? That's eliminating a certain population of people. It could even include what? Babies or certain groups of people. That's eugenics. Here's what she had to say. The greatest sin is bringing children into the world that have disease from their parents and have no chance in the world to be a human being practically. That's eugenics right there. Deformed babies, let's kill them. But here's something else she had to say. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Folks, if they're really against racism, they need to eliminate her name from every textbook in this country. Or they're not. See, this is what we need to bring up. You against racism? Why do I keep hearing about Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood? Now let's talk about Charles Darwin. Anybody know the full name of his book? The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection and the Preservation of what? Favored Races. Charles Darwin was a racist, folks. Let me show you what he had to say in his book, Descent of Man. At some future period, not very distant, as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will certainly exterminate and replace throughout the world the savage races. If you're really against racism, let's take Charles Darwin out of every textbook in this country and get rid of all his monuments. Until you do that, you're not against racism at all. That's what we need to hold him to right there. 
reparations. Because people of color were discriminated against in the past. White people, including their children, need to be discriminated against now. Because your ancestors may have been racist and discriminated somebody, you have to pay for that. Wow. Did you have anything to do with that in the past? No, you didn't. But you have to pay reparations. They're not, against, they're not for reparations, folks. Because they're missing the greatest reparations of all time. What happened in World War II to the Jewish people? Six million were slaughtered and all their fortunes were stolen. Somebody needs to pay reparations to the Jews, don't they? Let's go back even further. How about all those centuries the Egyptians held the Jewish people as slaves? They need to pay reparations to the Jews too, don't they? Until they're willing to pay their reparations, I'm not going to listen to them because they're not serious, are they? Last part, critical race theory, social justice, black lives matter, and the Bible. Let's compare these to the Bible. We must know a couple of things to start with. God is the creator of all things. And say, who's the one that created everything? Well, Jesus Christ. He's the one who called everything into existence. How did he do it? Spoken. He didn't need Legos. He just spoke it into existence. I just can't believe that some of these pastors up there and these seminaries are teaching, the Bible doesn't teach how God created it, therefore he could have used evolution. My response, read the Bible. Several places it explicitly states, he spoke it into existence by his great power. Without a creator God, nothing could exist. Ooh, that's a good one. I like this one. I, I trained some of the youth this morning on this one. What's your best evidence for the existence of God? Your best evidence. I get design of this, maybe the eye design, this design. No, it's not. Those are good, but they're not the best evidence. The best evidence is the necessity of a creator. Without a creator God, nothing could exist. Therefore, God must exist. Then you know what I do? I turn the whole situation around and put them on the defense. So without a creator God, nothing could exist. Therefore, he must exist. Now, could you tell me where your original matter came from? To create everything. They don't have an answer. They have faith answers. Well, it came from nothing. No, because nothing creates nothing. It always existed. Oh, you don't believe in the laws of science then, do you? Called laws of thermodynamics. says everything's wearing down, not getting better. Just look at the person next to you. I like conflict. <laughs> so what I've done in there, I've given them the best evidence. There has to be a creator God or nothing could exist. And then I put them on the defense. And what I show is they have to believe what they believe by what? Faith. And we walk away, both of us have a faith. Now tell me about your faith, and I'll tell you about my faith. That's how we do this. We learn tactics and strategy and use God's word as our greatest weapon. God is the sovereign absolute ruler over his entire creation. He doesn't share that with anybody. Since he's the creator, he's the sovereign ruler, he makes the rules. And his rules are perfect. He's a righteous God, he's a loving God, he's a just God, he's a holy God. He's also a God of judgment. He declares what is just, not man. We see this, I, the Lord, declaring things that are upright. Then Psalm 89, righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne. Mercy and truth go before you. He's a God of justice. He declares what's right and wrong. So let's compare now the Bible to critical race theory and social justice. The Bible teaches God is sovereign. God is just and is righteous. He rules over all. God determines right and wrong. 
critical race theory, man is in control. Whoever is in control determines the meaning of justice. Not quite the same, are they? The Bible. The Bible looks at rights and duties from the perspective of the individual, but critical race theory, social justice thinking considers rights and duties to be derived from the collective. In other words, if you're in a group, you all are held accountable. If one person goes bad, you're all bad. The Bible teaches we're individually responsible to God for our actions or sins. Critical race theory is not about equal justice for individuals. People are not viewed as individuals, but as a collection of various groups. In other words, if one sins, you're all guilty of the sin. All white people are guilty, regardless of what you've done. God's justice. Deuteronomy 32, his, the rock, his work is what? Perfect. You know what that means? The works of God are perfect. What does that mean about his creation? It was perfect. That means there's no room for millions of years because what does millions of years do to the gospel? What was going on for those millions of years before Adam and Eve? Dead things. Everything was living and dying. That's what the fossil record is, record of dead things. You're believing millions of years. You just destroyed the whole foundation of the gospel, folks, because now you're teaching there was death before. So why did Jesus have to go to the cross and conquer death? You can't answer that question anymore. So the age of the earth is a very important concept. See, we've been snookering and believing it's not important. It is very important. Isaiah 5, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's a pretty good warning to America right now. We got a lot of work to do. The greatest act of judgment or act of justice of all time, right there. Right there. Why do you consider it an act of justice? It was a big act of love and justice. Why? Well, illustration here. How many sins do you commit a day? Don't care to count, do we? Let's just say three. That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Just three sins a day. Remember, sin is not only outward, it's inward too. In a year, that's about a thousand sins. You live to be 50 years old, that's 50,000 sins. How would you like to go before a justice in a court situation where you had 50,000 offenses? Let's just say 100 offenses, driving, speeding tickets. What do you think the judge is going to do? Throw. Maybe a great big fine, too. But what if somebody came in before he gave, gave his uh, ruling and said, I'm going to pay for it all. I'm gonna, here's here's $100,000. I'm going to pay all their tickets. Would you accept it? Sure you would, because you got caught. You don't want to go to jail. You pay that. Well, Jesus Christ, what did God do with him? We've committed thousands and thousands and thousands of sin. What do we deserve? We deserve hell, folks. That is the default. That is actually the default. If you don't make a decision, you get the default. Isn't that nice? No, it's not. Because the default is hell. And the Bible has something to say about hell. What is it? You're going to burn and burn and burn in the lake of fire for all eternity. Think of that punishment. Think of what you're going to feel for all eternity. The burning, agony for all eternity. That's where we all go right now. Except that God sent his only begotten son to pay the price for us. Now do you understand who our God is? He paid a huge price for our thousands and tens of thousands of sin. And he paid for them all. 
But how do you get that? Remember what the default is. There's only one way to get it, folks. And it's not your works. It's not your works at all. It's God's grace and his mercy. Now I've had people come to me and say, Mike, God could not forgive me for what I did, especially on the battlefield. I know they've shot people, they've killed people, and they don't believe God can forgive them. My first thought is this. They don't know who our God is. Our God says his grace is big enough to cover anything you have done in your life. Will you accept that? Stop playing God and telling what he can do and what he can't do. He told us his grace can cover anything you've done. And it's not your works. It's what Jesus Christ has already done for you. So how do you do this? Turn to Romans 10.9. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You're going to give your entire life, heart, soul, and mind over to God. He's now in control. And then you're going to believe that God raised him from the dead. And you'll have salvation. It's not just here, folks. It's here. You really believe that. That's what it takes, folks. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. It's called do and done. Every other religion in the world requires you to do something. God says, it's already been done when my son came up out of that grave. That's what we have to offer. That was the greatest act of justice and mercy in all history. The Bible says one man and one woman. Genesis chapter 1, he created them Adam and Eve. And Mark 10 verse 6, Jesus makes these, this statement. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. What does Jesus say? Man and woman were on this planet from the very beginning of the creation, not after millions of years. Is Jesus a liar? If, if he's not, then he told the truth, and he did. That means there's no room for millions of years in the Bible, folks, or Jesus is wrong. He said the same thing again in Matthew. Man and woman, not man and man, or woman and woman. Man and woman. Critical race theory rejects the biblical marriage. Supports LGBTQ, normalizing, celebrating homosexuality. Next time you're on your phone, ask it this question. Can men have babies? You know what the answer is going to be? Yes. Can men become pregnant? Yes. It's totally illogical. But what are they talking about? Well, all you have to do is have a man come to school and say, I feel like I'm a woman today. That means I can be pregnant because I'm a woman today. Folks, no, they're not. You're either XX or you're XY. Critical race theory and social justice is anti-science. Gender is inseparable from biological sex. You got 60 trillion cells. Most all of them are all XX or XY. The exceptions are your red blood cells and sperm and egg cells. But all your other cells are either XX or XY. You cannot change that, no matter how hard you try. No matter how much you dress differently, no matter if you take hormones and grow a beard, you're still either a man or you're a woman. The Bible never hints at identity issues regarding gender. It never does. It never separates us by gender. There's one type of identity in the Bible, one race. And how do we separate it? We're children of God or we're children of Satan. That's it, folks. We're not separated by gender. We're all God's children. 
critical race fire is anti-science and anti-Bible. If you're going to be anti-Bible, you're going to have to be pretty much anti-science because, folks, true science does agree with God's word. It does not support evolutionism. How about these two people? One I know very well. I competed against him quite a bit. Bruce Jenner. He was my competitor. I didn't know he had that problem back then because I wasn't saved back then either. Uh, It took me 30 years to come to realize that I needed a savior and got saved. I was saved at age 30. Before that, I was an evolutionist. These are men, folks, no matter what they say. They wear dresses. They're still men. They're cross-dressers. That's what Bruce is. The Bible says racism is not a biblical word. Adam and Eve is how God created us. There is no separation by shade of skin. And there's one race, one blood, what the Bible teaches. Critical race theory says this. Race is based on your skin color. Aren't we trying to stop that? But no, they're promoting it. Everyone is a racist. And we're being taught that from kindergarten on up. Anyone not accepting critical race theory is automatically a racist. We are accountable for our own sins. Generational sin is only when children copy the sins of their father. Critical race theory says no, we've got to have redistribution. We're, we're responsible for our parents and our grandparents and great grandparents for what they did. Let's talk about a, an eternal conclusion here. Romans 1.25 is rejected by critical race theory. God is the creator of all things. We had the fall, which brought on, which was sin. We all stand guilty. All have sinned. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, everybody that's ever existed on this planet knows God exists. See, when we get in a discussion or debate with an atheist, we know a couple of things about them they don't know about themselves. They all know God exists. And Romans 2 says they all have God's moral law written in their heart. We know that about them. So we start with the advantage in a discussion with an atheist. There's no such thing as an innocent native anyone on this planet. One of the big questions that comes up is, what about people who never heard the word Jesus? Is God going to send them to hell also? Well, folks, we know God's justice is perfect. But what does the Bible tell us? They know God exists. Abraham didn't know Jesus, did he? And what was accounted to him? Righteousness because of his faith. And there's only one way, one name under all heaven by which we can be saved, and that name is Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's not your works, it's by grace alone. Critical race theory, social justice, and Black Lives Matter rejects all of that. Can you really support critical race theory there? If you do, you're rejecting God and his word. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, there's your mini gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. We're talking about the Old Testament there, aren't we? That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Critical race theory rejects that. They openly reject that. Critical race theory redefines everything we've known. Original sin is now called racism. The gospel is racial reconciliation. That's their new gospel. Their atonement is reparations. 
New birth is called the wokeness. You know, believe stuff. The canon is social sciences and experiences. Innovation, there is none. This is critical race theory and social justice, folks. That is a false gospel. Can I give you a serious warning what Paul has to say about this? This is God's word now, folks. Galatians 1.8, Paul says this twice. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. And he says it again. And we have said before, as we have said before, so I say again, now if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. Folks, critical race theory is a false gospel. All those people out there teaching that, those pastors endorsing critical race theory, better read this scripture, or they're going to come under that also. This is a very serious issue that's affecting our country today. And I hear unity being preached. But I don't really feel most of our pastors understand unity. Unity is not just within our church walls. It's got to be a community unity. Folks, we have the gospel as a foundation. We can come together on that, and we're going to have to if we're going to survive this thing. The churches must come together and start training and teaching their people on these issues. The pastor's job is to teach God's word from the pulpit. We need trained leaders who can teach these subjects. In the, let's say, let me define teaching. Teaching means causing learning. We are too teacher-focused in our Sunday schools. We need to be learner. So your measure as a success as a teacher is not by necessarily what you do as a teacher. It's by what your students can do. If they can't do anything, then you did not teach. That's the level we need to get to in our Sunday schools. What can the students do with the information? They're teaching and how we're teaching in our churches. It can't be just give information. It's Two biblical mandates. And this is what we're doing at CTI. We, don't, we promote, uh, use it for teaching your children, your grandchildren. This gives 19 doctrines you need to believe to have a biblical worldview. We talk about the full context of the gospel, the bad news and the good news. We talk about hermeneutics. How do you read the Bible? How do you interpret it? We have a whole chapter on there on 10 evidences the days of creation were literal days. Then we have another chapter with an old earth. We talk about evolution, how to destroy the whole model of evolution. We talk about the flood. How could Adam or how could Adam name all the animals one day? How could Noah fit all the creatures on the ark? We have an advanced apologetics training which trains you how to use the Bible as your greatest tool. It's called presuppositional apologetics. And we have a new course that's going over real big. I just did this at Liberty University in front of all their top professors, all their professors who got PhDs in education. They'd never heard this stuff before because I know it's not taught in our education universities. It's called Dynamics of Christian Education. If you want to learn how to speak and teach, this is the course you want to have. We have a one-day version of it where we talk about all the issues. We have a three-day version where we only take about nine students because we do a lot of workshop. You do presentations, you do teaching in there, and we coach you. Coach you to get better and better and better. We even have a, the last chapter in there is how to build a winning Sunday school program. How to recruit teachers, how to train your teachers. 
Then we have a Christian Educators Conference. We run this once a year down at I Institute for Creation Research. We are now their education arm. Our ministry is their education arm. They use us for doing their education. We go down there every year and do a three-day Christian Educators Conference for them where we bring educators in from around the country. And what we're proposing, I say proposing, everything takes money, folks. But we can do it real cheap, but it takes money. We hear the number one teacher in a child's life is the parent. Who's training the parents? Nobody. So we got to do something about it, don't we? It's time. If we're going to talk about it, let's do something about it or don't talk about it anymore. We're going to develop a three-day course that will help parents teach their children. It'll cover apologetics, it'll cover creation, but we'll also cover teaching methods that will train you how to have your children retain the information and be able to use it. We've got some good techniques that are proven on how to remember information, how to write a valid good test that helps people pass the test, how to write those, how to write objectives and set goals. So how to do the education process in there. We have a whole chapter on communication skills, a whole chapter on teaching skills and methods, a whole chapter on the necessity of Christian education, which talks about our competition. And I said in the last chapter, setting up a winning Sunday school program. Then we have what we're looking at doing if we can. This takes a little more money, a master apologist program. We have a program, we believe, and we've seen it. We've seen a lot of scientists now say this will be better than anything our Christian universities can do. As I go to a Christian university, some of them have apologetics degrees. You know what they teach? Philosophy and history of apologetics. In all the debates and all the discussions I've been in, I've never had to use philosophy. I've never had to talk about the history of apologetics. What I use is God's word and his science that he created. That's what we need. In other words, are you going to be college trained or are you going to be trained for the battlefield? We will get you ready for the battlefield. And we can do it for the tenth of the cost of gaining a degree in college. Uh, that's what we're doing. And in October, I'm going down to Arizona Christian University and we'll talk to them about setting this up as a certificated program under their, under their college. Which means they don't have to do any work. They don't have to do anything. We'll do all the work. We'll do all the teaching. And they get some of the credit by putting their name on it. It's all it takes. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to try and get in some other universities to give it some oomph behind their certificate. Doesn't give you a degree in college, but it will prepare you for the battlefield because we're going to teach you how to defend God's word using his word. So those are the things we're doing. If you would like to help us, we can supply the teachers, but we're not rich. We don't have all the big bucks. We have these envelopes back there, and in each of these envelopes is a donation card. On the back table there, pick one of these up, and you can take it home and pray over it. See if this is something you really are interested in, helping us train more and more teachers out there to teach God's word, apologetics, and help this next generation stand firm. That's what we're trying to do in our ministry. So I'll stop there and see, does anybody have any questions? Because if you don't, I have lots of questions. If you can't answer my questions, you're in trouble. So anybody have a question, I'm going to bring Heinz up here, and he's going to talk some more about resources. Pick them up. They're good for you. And if you get tired of them, you don't want them anymore, give them away as a Christmas present. Give them to somebody who can use them. Okay. <clears throat> Mike's covered a lot of uh, issues there, and I'm sure he's uh, generated a bunch of questions that 
If you have a question, put up your hand and I'll bring the microphone around so it's recorded, the question as well as the answer. And also while he's doing that, we have our sign-up sheet back there. First of all, you want to make sure you sign up for their, the ministry here because they're local. But Institute for Creation Research comes out with a brochure called Acts and Facts. It's free. It's chock full of good information. You sign up for that. You also get our electronic newsletter. So make sure you get that back there. Sorry I interrupted you there, Heinz. No problem. Because my wife was going to tell me I forgot to say something, and I'd be in trouble. Okay. <laughs> It'd be reparations. Question, anybody? Those are the e I like yeah. those questions. Okay. If there's no questions, we'll, well be, we, yeah, we I'll can. still be available for questions, but please look through the resources back there. They make wonderful gifts, but they also help you prepare your children, because you read through them, you have something hard copy that you can use over and over and over again. 